0: Uh, This is Peng Peng. I'm uh, voicing this track for the podcast folks, basically telling the story of myself being trapped in Hubei during this uh, coronavirus outbreak.
1: When Al Jazeera's Beijing cameraman Pang Pang sent us this voice note back in early February, the coronavirus was a global concern, but not yet an all-consuming one. A few hundred people had died. Countries outside of China hadn't imposed lockdowns of any kind. The disease hadn't even been officially named yet. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. The memos Pang Pang sent us back then became an episode that we published on February 5th. It was our first story on COVID-19. It seems like a lifetime ago. When we were working on that episode, the question we were asking ourselves and each other was, how bad could this get? Now, we kind of know. More than 200,000 people have died from the coronavirus. The global economy is in turmoil. All over the world, people are locked down in their homes, trying to flatten the curve. While scientists race to develop treatments and everybody hopes, a vaccine. And we've been thinking about Pang Pang. He and his family were stuck in an early epicenter of the outbreak. We've kept up with him, and we're coming back to him for a special episode today. A personal update from a colleague. It's one I think will bring you some hope. If you remember... Fangfang's story started on January 20th. Like so many others in China, he and his family were heading out of town for Lunar New Year.
0: We decided to take the high-speed train from Beijing to go back to Wuhan, my hometown, just to celebrate the Chinese Spring Festival. When we arrived at the Wuhan station, we found there were thousands of travelers like us, you know, the station was totally packed. And there were, you know, long queues at it, almost every boarding gate. You know, this is a typical festival travel rush saying you see every year in China.
1: Pang Pang and his family continued on to the city of Yangshan, where his in-laws live. Like Wuhan, it's also in Hubei province. Their first few days there were fun and relaxing. But then...
0: You know, things uh, started to change overnight. Just within days of our arrival, it just felt like we were dropping from heaven to hell. Officials at the train station sent messages to me, basically telling us our pre-booked train back to Beijing on February 1st had been canceled.
1: It was the first of many cancellations. Peng's family scrapped their Lunar New Year plans. No one was going out to fancy restaurant dinners in this crisis. They cooked at home. His wife's dad, who's a doctor, reassured them it was the right thing to do.
0: My father-in-law said, uh, you know, the lockdown screwed up our festival plans, but it's the most effective way to get rid of the spread. On
1: January 23rd, The city of Wuhan was put under the world's first lockdown of the pandemic. Within a few days, other cities in Hubei province followed suit. That week, Pang Pang and his family were among 60 million people in China who were ordered to stay at home and only leave for essentials. Guards on the streets made sure people followed the rules. As the days went on, the anxiety mounted. Pangpeng started getting calls from officials in Beijing.
0: Teachers at my daughter's elementary school and at my son's kindergarten in Beijing, they caught me asking for details like where we were staying, uh, when did we leave Beijing, and when we had arrived in Wuhan and so on. So we were asked to report on our temperature and health conditions every day. Then the community workers from my apartment in Beijing caught me to ask for basically similar travel details.
1: When Pangpang sent us these voice notes on the Chinese social media app WeChat, he'd been under lockdown for two weeks. He believed it was important and a necessary step. But you could still tell that he was worn out and anxious to get home.
0: Being cut off does worry people like me who are trapped here because I I would need to go back to Beijing to work. You know, uh, going back to Beijing from Wuhan has been a fairly easy and enjoyable trip for my family in the past. But at this stage, it's looking like a mission impossible for us.
1: For two months, We checked in with Peng Peng. He and his family were still there, in Hubei. He was healthy, he was bored. Every day was the same.
0: Nobody knows when this lockdown is going to end. The self-quarantine here could go on for much longer than I can imagine. Honestly, I don't know when it's going to end.
1: Outside Yangshan, Everything was changing.
2: The number of people infected by the new virus has jumped to nearly 2,000. That's a 50 percent increase on the previous statistic.
1: With case numbers top 80,000 and deaths 2,700 worldwide, concern is climbing about outbreaks outside of China.
2: Public health. Sunday marked Iran's single biggest jump in deaths, rising more than 100 to 724 overall. There are now 14, all of Italy, a
0: country of
1: 60 million people, is now effectively a red zone. On Monday, today
0: evening, in New York City, more. Than eight hundred deaths reported. That's triple. A ferocious yesterday.
1: unraveling in the stock market on Thursday alone, the Dow fell twenty three hundred points. Yeah, this is Altogether. a huge problem. The the world recession will be deep, uh, and that especially
0: impacts poorer countries.
1: Now, twelve weeks after we ran that first episode with Pang Pang, a lot of us can relate to the isolation and anxiety he was talking about but if you like me were listening to him and thinking yeah when is this going to end then this next update from him may bring you some hope his lockdown has lifted hello
0: hello it feels so nice to get back to Beijing and uh, go back to work. You know, after 86 days of quarantine and isolation, I just feel like I was unplugged from the outside world. And finally, finally, I'm, you know, reconnected to the real world.
1: You heard right. 86 days. So, okay. Hope. Wrapped up in a reality check. Italy went nationwide with its lockdown on March 10th. The first cities in the US started issuing shelter at home orders a week later, which is around the time my colleagues and I started working from home. That means I'm only about halfway through a Pang Pang length lockdown. Here's how it unfolded for him. After almost three months in Hubei province, The government was reporting that the virus was contained. He and his family were allowed to return to Beijing. They spent two weeks in quarantine at home, and then on April seventeenth, Pang Pang went back to work for the first time.
0: I'm so excited to see my colleagues in the bureau, and they organized a celebration for me with with a big cake. Uh, they joked, that it's like a birthday celebration. In a sense, yes, it is. You know, it's, it's a new chapter for me. Totally.
1: China isn't out of the woods. Nobody is. There are concerns about new cases coming in from outside the country, about whether the good news of containment is really true. But in Beijing stores and restaurants are opening back up. The parks, too. Remember parks? That's been one of the highlights for Pang Pang's two young children, a boy and a girl, now that they're back in the city.
0: For my family, you know, we have pretty much, you know, gone back to our normal life. And this is uh, extremely important for my kids. Um, As soon as we, you know, completed our home quarantine, we took them to our favorite park nearby. They were just like, you know, (laughs) caged birds being released and flying in the open air. They were like running around, riding their bikes, chasing after each other, you know, screaming and laughing. They really enjoyed the freedom. And this is really great.
1: Our team was pretty happy for Pang Pang when he told us he'd been able to return home. And listening to him talk about it made me feel hopeful. So wherever you are, whatever you're going through, we hope it brings you some joy too. These are weird and, to use an overused word, unprecedented times. And one of the things that's brought a lot of light and hope to our team has been hearing from you. You've shared stories with us on Twitter. You've sent us voice memos from all around the world. And we want you to keep it up. Tell us what's giving you hope. What's happening in your community that's good? What are you doing to stay afloat? to stay sane, to stay positive, record a voice memo and email it to us, ajthetake, all one word, at gmail.com. Here's one that came from a friend and former producer on the show.
2: Hi, I'm Jasmine Bayumi, and I live in Hamburg in Germany's north. It's a all a little bit up in the air in Germany. Um, the restrictions have just been loosened. So more shops are open and more people are out on the street, but everybody has to wear a mask when they're shopping or if they're in public transport. Like right now, I'm looking outside of my window of my apartment and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's a good 20 people out on the street. And it's so strange after a month. Or six weeks now of isolation at home. I needed a project to keep me happy. And so I am also a photographer. um, And so I just often set up my camera somewhere and just put it on a timer. And it it would just take a picture every 30 seconds or so of whatever I was doing at the moment. And so I took pictures of myself dancing, you know, on a Sunday solo party. (laughs) I took pictures of myself just making myself a dinner, taking a shower, just like really mundane stuff. And I'm having so much fun kind of finding the beauty in the mundane and letting go of that control and just letting the camera do its thing, which is really weird. I felt really vulnerable sometimes, but... You know, at the same time, I thought it was really important to document this time now. I don't think we'll ever have it again. And at one point, maybe in 40 years, I want to look back at them and see what my life was like. But yeah, it's been giving me life.
1: So again, you can send your memos to ajthetake at gmail.com and listen for it at the end of an upcoming episode. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilvey and Graylin Brashear, who's also Al Jazeera's head of audio. They had help from Alexandra Locke, Ney Alvarez, Tina Kispe, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Natalia Aldana is the engagement producer. Keep an eye out for the web version of this story. It'll be on our social media accounts at AJTheTake on Twitter and Instagram. Alex Roldan sound designed this episode and Stacy Samuel is the show's executive producer. We'll be back.